0: Welcome to the Cigar Cast, your weekly one-stop shop for all things cigar-related, including industry news, reviews, and everything in between. We are recording live from Crown Cigars and Ales here in beautiful Brentwood, Tennessee. I'm the Smoke Master General, Trey Debbin. I'm joined as I am every week by Mr. Shane Reeves. It's
1: a big day. I'm test driving a new pair of socks. <laughs> I'm convinced 86% of Banner of Day <laughs> in the Reeves household. Well, 86% of a outdoorsman lifestyle is spent. Trying to find the perfect sock, yeah, because you want because I have large calves, right. So most of the traditional hunting socks crush my calves.
0: Okay, I yeah. get out
1: of the deer stand and you can you know you can see Carhartt rode across my <laughs> calf. Yeah,
0: yeah, you can count the threads. Yeah, from looking at your leg.
1: So this is the most expensive pair of socks I've ever ordered. They were like sixteen dollars a pair.
0: Oh, that's nothing. You should become a runner.
1: Oh yeah, twenty five dollars socks. Ooh, but well. When you're hunting, it's all about the perfect combination of merino wool to everything else. Right, And these are like 73% merino wool. It's the everything else you have to worry about. Right. You, you don't, don't want any cotton. No, no cotton. You want plenty of elastic, but you don't want so much elastic that it's holding. You don't want 100% merino wool because sheep follow you to your stand hoping you'll take <laughs> your shoes off. You want to really balance out your sock to merino ratio. What brand? What brand are they? Um, big calf or something like that. There's something I found online. So oh, gotcha. They got very high reviews and all. So I'm. Have you ever looked at at Smartwool, the brand Smartwool? Yes, they crush my calf. Do they really? Yeah, I've got okay. three pair of Smartwool that I can't wear. Want to get rid of them? Yeah. <laughs> they they just they don't they don't fit me. They do no.
0: not fit my. Um, those are those are my go to in anything but perfect sunny hot weather running socks. I've got a pair of lowrider Smartwools and. God, they are the best.
1: Well, I have to wear the high ones. All I well, have yeah, are the high boots. ones. Yeah, because I'm wearing boots and all. But these are performing admirably. Sometimes they're a nice merino wool fire ant blend, <laughs> so you <laughs> yeah. have to be careful. Yeah. So yeah. you can't test drive them the day you're hunting because that's the worst part. Well, no, you never you never play the game in something you haven't practiced with. That's right. So I'm 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 trying out new socks today, and they seem to be performing admirably.
0: It's the right day for it. It's the same weather as it's going
1: to be in your tree stand. Oh, there's frost on the ground this morning. I was so happy. It was it was getting right down to the wire. <laughs> I don't like to hunt when before the first frost, right? And this morning you barely could consider it the first frost, but I'm counting it because deer season opens Saturday. It, it was cold enough for me to. I say you count it. Okay, excellent. I'll count it. Well, let's talk about some cigars. I am a meteorologist after all, <laughs> so I brought you the Criollo de Oro. Yeah. Now, normally on a cigar like that, we would both be smoking the same cigar, but I've already smoked mine. Okay. (laughs) And now you, and I know this fills you with trepidation because you don't know, either I disliked it so much I couldn't bring myself to smoke another one and us both smoke them on the show.
0: I'd be really surprised if that were the case.
1: If it was the greatest cigar I'd ever smoked, I probably wouldn't wouldn't have given given it to me. Yeah, I probably wouldn't have gave you my other one, my only other one. So I'm gonna let I'm not going to bias your judgment on what I think of that particular cigar until the end of the show. I'll let you well, make a, your own judgment.
0: I mean, it's got a good recipe. It's Dominican uh, wrapper. And then it's got, so it's a hybrid of Criollo 98 seeds with Pelo de Oro. And, and they've created kind of a new strain of tobacco, essentially. So I remember we talked about on the show when they announced it a couple of weeks ago, or a couple of months ago. Um, Nicaraguan and Honduran fillers, Connecticut binder. So there's a lot going on.
1: Well, it's the newest limited release from Forged. Right. So that's it's. I've, they actually got one box of them in at Big Boys, and I went ahead and bought two that day. And I smoked my one that day because I wanted to. It and happens. I, said, well, I,
0: I was trying to save, you know, we had a, a friend in here about a week ago or, or no, two weeks ago. That uh, gave us both one of the um, Fuente, Casa Fuentes right, that they released instead of the Rare Pink. And I held on to it because I wasn't... I know, I broke etiquette. I yeah, didn't, see,
1: I followed etiquette. I smoked mine well, there with it. Well,
0: I, I ended up having to leave. Right. right. I got called away. So... I was holding on to it. I was going to bring it to the show. I was going to bring it to the show. And then I think it was yesterday. I was like, I can't do it anymore. I got to have it.
1: And it was excellent. Actually, much better than the one I smoked in Las Vegas. Oh, interesting. And I'd, rarely would, it, would you think that one setting here would be better than when you smoke it at Casa Fuente in Vegas. But it actually was better than I remembered it being. Well, and,
0: and I'll tell you what, you know, a few weeks ago when I was in Jersey, I had a Fuente 5.8 and had forgotten that it's actually a pretty good cigar. And when I got here today I actually had a uh, Cuban Bellicoso Fuente. I think I'm I think I'm getting on
1: a little bit of a Fuente kick. It's the right time of year. Yeah, it Get is. Into a little lighter cigar, a little cooler weather. And also, I'm going to be smoking the St. Louis Ray Carinas Toro. Is it St. Louis Ray or is Saint it St. Louis St. Louis, Lu- Louis Ray Carinas Toro. This is their new cigar. It's blended by the Grupo de Maestros. It's an Altadis product. Wrappers Nicaraguan Habano, the binder and the fillers Nicaraguan, Honduran, and Peruvian tobacco. For some reason, Atlantic puts the cigar wrapper color on their thing. Do you ever judge a cigar by the color of the wrapper? Sometimes I do. So they're calling the color Colorado, but I I never. That's never a factor for me when I'm looking at a cigar. It's
0: no, I'm not going to look. You know, if I'm comparing between a couple of different cigars, I may look at, depending on what my mood is and what I'm going for, but that's because you and I are just both such nerds that we know that color doesn't determine strength, mm-hmm. but it does determine flavor oftentimes if you've smoked enough Connecticut Broadleaf for you know, true Maduro or things like that. So I, d- I do look at the color of the cigar when I'm trying to determine, but not from one to the next in the box.
1: I'm prone to look at the toothiness of the wrapper. If it's really veiny, you know, a really veiny wrapper, it tends to put me off less than the more smooth wrappers. And, and it, it just depends on the mood I'm in. Sometimes I'm in the mood for, you know, a much more toothy wrapper than what they actually have on oh, there. Oh, that's
0: good. Just off first light, that's got some caramelness to it that I'm really digging.
1: So, first article from half Rocky Patel Disciple Robusto begins shipping. So Rocky debuted this Disciple at the trade show. It is a, um, they say it's one of the best, you know, their quote, in all of our years creating world-class cigars, we've never produced anything more rigorously rigorously adheres to our high standards and dedication to quality. I I would argue that point if I had the energy. And it's a Mexican San Andreas wrapper with Nicaraguan binder and filler. So this and is And two
0: reams of paper.
1: Yeah, this is my complaint. This is what I put in the show notes. Do we need a footman consuming two thirds of the cigar? Yeah, I don't
0: I don't know what this is. Now they never show photos in these little press releases with them in the cellophane, but my only thought is that if there's a chance that this maybe doesn't come packaged in cellophane. That's just a decorative way to further add protection to the
1: outside of the cigar, maybe? Maybe. You know, the price is a little bit, it's kind of par for the industry right now. You know, the Toro 1150. So that's the price is okay. Although I've got to say, Half Wheel rated it an 86, which is not that great. No, that's, that's not a super high. I'd have to see what aficionado rates it once it comes out. But I'll 10, smoke 50, it. I'll, MSRP of ten fifty is not bad. I like San Andreas, uh huh, and on. I like Nicaraguan binder and filler. So I'll definitely smoke it. I'm ready for Rocky Patel to make something that I really like. It would. It would be a nice change. You know, we smoked the '60s and the '60 excellent cigar, but just the price range is so far out of the realm of what I want to spend for a Rocky. It, exactly,
0: and I don't think it's it's, it's definitely the Rocky. That I would smoke out of their line, but at that price point, there's so much else I'd rather smoke.
1: Yeah, when you pl- when you play in that arena, you better you're going to have to really knock my socks off. My you better my come new correct, socks. as the kids say. <laughs> That's right. Oliva Series V 135th Anniversary begins shipping. Okay, are we going to just keep releasing Series V in different shapes for the rest of our lives? Why not? Well, at some point, you know, here they're kind of, what are they calling this, a Parejo? And uh, what are they calling uh, this particular shape of cigar? Perfecto. Well, but it's not really a Perfecto. It, it's a, it's a Perfecto with a
0: Parejo cap. So, basically, the foot is a Perfecto, but the, about halfway down, it becomes just a regular cigar.
1: And it Interesting it, shape. It's the cigar that honors... Um, Cigar honors the year that Milano or Oliva first grew tobacco in Cuba's Pinot del Rio region. Um, has a Parejo cap, a unique tapered foot. Uses the same blend, so it's an Ecuadorian wrapper over Nicaraguan binders and fillers. MSRP of $10 a stick, which is pretty good, because usually when you get into these funny shapes, you get into a little more. Yeah. And it's a 6.5 by 54, so this is a bigger cigar. And, and i got to tell you, the Oliva V is a great cigar. It is, but it's kind of like I put in the notes. I think it's the Frampton's Come Alive. You know, I heard an interview of Peter Frampton. They said, are you going to re-release Frampton Comes Alive? He says, if I need to buy a new car. (laughs) (laughs) I think Eliva says, okay, the factory payment's due. Let's release another V. (laughs) Somebody change the shape.
0: You know, perhaps, but the thing is, much like Frampton Comes Alive, it's a hit.
1: Oh, yeah. A A good song is a good song. A good cigar is a good cigar. So, I mean... I'm, I'm all
0: for them continuing to dip into the well if it means that, you know, at least if I smoke the cigar and it's the best cigar I've ever had, which is not going to do. But at least I know even if I can't get that shape again, I can still get that cigar again.
1: Right. You can still have that blend.
0: Yeah. I, I, dig, I dig it when companies do
1: the limited release that is a limited shape, but a, a regular blend. So, I hope you recognize for this news this latest article. I had to go all the way to the Jerusalem Post. Yeah, why did you go to the Jerusalem Post for this? I liked the way they talked about the pearls and the he he smoked a cigar and all that good stuff. And also, <laughs> I'll let you run this one cuz this is your team. Yeah,
0: it is. Uh, I was I was 9 years old the last time the Atlanta Braves won the World Series. So, it felt really good to be sitting on the couch the other night. And watching that final out drop and the confetti ticker tape and and the whole nine yards, Um, it's been, yeah, it was 95, so it's 26 years in the making since the last time they won the World Series. Uh, Nerd out on my Braves a little bit, they're the only team in the history of baseball to have had a losing record. At the All Star break back in July, and then go on to win the World Series. There was an episode of Mash about that, wasn't there? That, that was, the, <laughs> yeah, that was when the Giants won the pennant in '51. Um, yeah, I'm sure I remember that more for being gay, <laughs> but they didn't have a losing record at the All Star break.
1: Anyway, so tell me about Alex Bregman. Alex, this the, the your Jerusalem
0: Post is. Is wearing me out here. Oh
1: no, not Alex Bregman. Max Freed. Max Freed. Oh man, this kid
0: pitched his arm off that night. He in in a world in a series where I think it was the most bullpen usage in the last ten years. So on average. Uh, pitchers were only lasting about three and a half innings. Starters were only lasting about three and a half innings. So, and you see this later in the season when when every game is make or break, you tend to cycle through your pitches a little bit, fa- your pitchers a little bit faster uh, for a couple of reasons. One, it keeps the lineup from getting too comfortable on your pitch selection. Uh, that goes into kind of the strategy of baseball. I won't go all the way into it, but then the other thing is so that. You're, you're getting your best folks, but you're limiting their pitch count so that they're fresher when you need them again in a couple of nights. He lasted six and a half innings, which, uh, you know, to this point, and, and he was able to see the lineup two and a half times. So a little bit of – so every time – a batter faces off against a single pitcher, they learn from what that pitcher does. You know, these are the pitches he likes to go to, here's where he likes to place them. And So the longer a pitcher is in the game, the more likely he's going to start giving up hits. And it's not always because their arm gets tired, sometimes it's just because the batters learn what they're going to do. Right. So for him to be at Game 6 of the World Series and be able to make it through two and a half cycles of the opposing team's lineup tells you that he's really smart and he really had a lot of juice left in the tank.
1: So, the pearl necklace, yeah,
0: so that 's Jock Peterson. He was an acquisition from the Dodgers this year i you know, I commented on this when we were watching the game it's such a weird you know, I remember ten years ago or so when the like copper braided like cloth necklaces all the players were wearing them and i I knew, like lots of guys have their gold chains, and the things I mean, as much as I am a big fan of baseball, I can understand why people have a hard time with a sport that you can wear jewelry to play. Yeah, but the pearl necklace.
1: Well, here's the thing. I can respect it because he doesn't tell anybody why he wears it. If he was trying to create a marketing gimmick, it would definitely not be a pearl necklace.
0: Yeah, uh, my 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 life as an adult has jaded me to that term. That's all I'll say about that.
1: Yeah. So it's obviously something very personal to him. I, I wouldn't, you know, his grandmother wore a pearl necklace or something like that, probably, and all. But I can respect it. You yeah. know, I'm a, I'm against marketing for the sake of marketing, but I don't believe that's what this is. Because if it was, one, he'd have picked something a little more marketable, and two, he'd have told people why he was wearing it. Yeah, and and he would probably have have
0: struck a deal with a company to, you know, I I, I bet we start to see. I mean, have you ever seen a guy wear a pearl necklace? I mean, I think that's one piece of jewelry that's pretty exclusively feminine, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I mean, Wilma Flintstone <laughs> made well, she it. She wasn't a guy, so, <laughs> no. well, we don't know. <laughs> Cave woman. But anyway, the, um, yeah, the pearl necklace been around a long time. You don't even see a lot of women wearing pearl necklaces anymore. No, it's really not. Unless you,
0: I mean, it, I think it's mostly a southern thing at this point. Uh, And I I definitely think it's a certain subculture now that kind of hangs on to that as a a tradition.
1: So do you think this will bring it back?
0: It could. It'd be interesting. I mean, honestly, if I see a bunch of dudes walking around wearing pearl
1: necklaces, like, I don't hate it. I'm going to assume it's not that kind of a bar. Well, (laughs) but it could be any number of things. So St. Louis Ray... Always produces a solid cigar. I don't think St. Louis Ray gets enough credit in the cigar industry. This is just the Carreras. They released these several months ago, and they had them at the other shop, and we smoked them. and Glenda really liked it, and I smoked several, and I really liked them. And just um, this is just a good cigar. That Carreras is just a good box. It's got an old pirate ship on the box, so you very recognizable. That's one of the things I like about a cigar box. Make it very recognizable if you're going to go to the trouble to do it.
0: I remember when the St. Louis Ray though was very much a budget stick, and I feel like they've—I mean, I feel like they've gotten better, but I feel like their price has increased commensurate with that. And I'd like to see—I'd like to see, see it stay in that real like sub eight category.
1: Yeah, it needs to stay where it does well. You know, I know several guys that the St. Louis Ray, the black and silver label is their go-to stick for that very reason, because they can go pick up a box of them fairly inexpensively right? and and go to that. But this is just an excellent cigar. The, the gold and silver label, I forget what that one's called. Gold and silver? Or black and silver. Um, Siri P, I okay. think. No, that's it.
0: it, it something. Uh, I've, I've bought boxes of them in my life. It's been a while, though.
1: They, um, you know, it's a little bit strong for me to be kind of a daily smoke. It's a f- really full-bodied yeah. cigar. I, know, I kind of feel like sometimes guys are smoking it because they want to have that super dark cigar in their hand. Right. So St. Louis Ray took a little gamble releasing this cigar with this lighter wrapper, but they, I think their quality holds up. Excellent. I haven't had one yet. I'll have to get my hands on one. What do you think of the Criollo
0: Delro? It is drawing a little tight for my taste, but that that caramel has given way to more kind of almost peatiness. You know, like the the smoky campfire flavors you get out of a a single malt Scotch. I'm getting some of that type of like a burned grass, but a mature grass.
1: So, and I'm on part. I'm on tell you um, when I smoked it. The initial light, you know, I had no surprise at all when you said you liked it on the initial light. The initial light on it was good, but it kind of became uneventful after that for me. It tapered
0: off very quickly. Yeah,
1: it kind of very quickly just died down for me. I didn't care for it much because of that, because it just kind of withered on the vine, and I'm not big on that at all. So from Halfwell, good news. Rarely do we have good news when it involves Congress. $96 $96 billion tobacco tax hike removed from Build Back Better Act draft. And also, they removed, you know, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. They were going to double the taxes on cigarettes, doubling small cigars, doubling roll your own tobacco taxes. Um, they were going to just a massive tax hike for premium cigars and this got eliminated this got pulled out of the bill so good job yeah it, it, you're right it, anytime tobacco and legislation are
0: issued in the same breath it's very rarely a good thing but this is a this is a rare exception
1: and the senator that was pushing for this because i want to mention his name out loud in case anybody is in his district senator dick durbin a democrat proposes this tax hike every time there's a bill he can slide it in yeah and I'll, and it just um at a certain point, it seems personal with him that he's. It really, I was just
0: about to say that. It really feels like, you know, his 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 dad was killed by a weaponized cigarette or something. I think exploding cigar.
1: I think he's just lazy.
0: I and think knows it's this just, is a good way to rally his base.
1: Yeah, you know, all the time I complain about him raising taxes on builders because people think builders make millions. And they raise taxes on them because nobody'll go against them, and that's kind of what I think he does with this tobacco thing is hey i'm gonna i'm gonna get this pushed through and say i I got this done and I it's I think it's lazy I think he's actually intellectual laziness is what this comes down to I think that's a fair assumption and all but it has been voted down it is out of this huge bill that they're trying to go through and all I mean you think about it um a Robusto at nine fifty a cigar is 40, 40.62 cents per cigar. If this bill had passed, the same Robusto would have cost twelve dollars. Yeah, it would have quadrupled. Yeah, so I'm glad that they that the, this got struck down. It gives me a little hope. I, yeah, I'm glad that there's you know places like Cigar Rights of America and the PCA fighting against this sort of thing, and I, always a very good thing for that. Um. So let's step off to the break because we got a real good topic in the back end of the show. I'm going to step off the break for just a little bit early, but when we come back, I have been vindicated. I must stand proud and talk to this about my beloved deer season and my beloved cigars, and I'm just so happy.
0: All right. We'll we'll be back with that more after this.
1: Welcome back to the Cigar Cast. This is one of your hosts, Shane, sitting across from the man. He couldn't outrun or outswim an alligator, but he might take him in the cycling event of the triathlon, Mister Trey Dedman. Uh,
0: yeah, I'd put, <laughs> I'd put my uh, I'd put my money on me on the bike. Do you think you could make up the difference? You think you could? I, I think so. Well, you know, alligators are good sprinters. They don't really have the endurance. I think I've got. A, I think I could make up enough of a distance on the bike that I, that it would be a, a a horse race in in the on the run
1: in the in the man versus beast category. You think you could? You definitely couldn't take him in swimming.
0: No, definitely not in the swimming. Although, what's interesting about that is the hippo is the one that I don't think I could I could make up the difference on the bike to justify the difference in swim speed. Plus. He killed me in the water, but literally and figuratively. But they well, can outswim like three times. They swim three times faster than the world record holder, like uh, was his Michael Phelps. They they can run, you know, faster than Usain Bolt, and they
1: can do it endurance style. Yeah, could you picture a hippo on a bicycle? I'd like to. I, <laughs> I want to try and make that happen. You've probably seen a few hippos on a bicycle in well, your days, yeah, <laughs> and all. But okay. So this weekend is the opening of deer season, and all my inner predator is coming alive.
0: I heard you tell no less than four people recently who tried to get you to do stuff this coming weekend. Nope. Nope. nope,
1: Doesn't happen. I'm going to be in a deer stand Saturday morning. I'm excited. Now that I've had my frost, I'm very excited about the deer season. Now, I know you don't
0: like to hunt before the first frost, but will you? If it had not had the first frost this week, would you have still gone out Saturday? Oh yeah,
1: yeah. I would. I would like to say I'm that much a purist that I wouldn't have, but no, I would have because it's it's been cold enough for long enough to kind of. The main reason not to hunt for the for the first frost is just for ticks and mosquitoes and snakes, snakes and all of that sort of thing. It's just, and also you have to you have to get once the deer's down, your clock ticks a lot quicker than when it's cooler. That's fair, and also, but. From wideopenspaces.com, 13 unusual things to take in the tree stand with you. I'm curious how many of these
0: things you either do or have taken into the woods with you.
1: Remarkably few. Okay. And, all, and I don't, you know, metal binder clips, okay, I suppose, but not really a, a big deal for me. A Kindle, never. Well, I would never the, read in a deer stand. The thing with the binder clips is it makes perfect sense. If a zipper breaks, if
0: clothing rips or something, you need to make a quick repair But I feel like for most folks, you're going to walk to the stand and you can kind of manage if it breaks along the way. Once you're there, it doesn't matter. And then you can manage your way back if you have to.
1: Yeah. If I was going on an extended hunt where I was going to be hiking for a long time, I could see throwing a few into a soundproof bag. Yeah. You know, to carry a Kindle. I would never carry. Who has time to read in the deer stand? If you're reading in the deer stand, you're not paying attention. That was the first thought I had, too. I especially love that they talk about. Well, you can launch
0: the hotspot on your phone, and you—who's hunting where there's enough wi- uh, cell signal? Yeah, but, you hunt in your backyard. About, <laughs> and the best thing about a Kindle is the fact that you can download the book. You don't have to have
1: Wi-Fi later. Well, the best part about hunting is being out there and just being one with nature. Yeah, put the put the phone down, people. Um, you know, going down. So number six is the cigar. Now, this guy, obviously biased, what's this dude's name? It is Craig Raleigh, and he says he hates to say it, but many folks do swear by cigars. I've, I've said this for how many years? Did I kill more deer of a cigar in my hand than any other time? Right. Deer are curious animals. Uh-huh. If you're putting that scent in the air, they're going to come investigate, especially as it pertains to fire. Right. You know, deer have to know where fire is. They can't, they can't just say, oh, there's fire that direction and it'd be good enough. They have to know where fire is. And they even have um, different devices you can buy that'll actually create smoke or burn or smolder, things like that. I actually have some incense sticks that smell like does in heat. Oh, interesting. That I stick in a tree and light. And the good thing about the incense stick is you can always look at the smoke and see which direction the wind's blowing in case you need to make that much of a shot. It has a secondary benefit. Yeah, So, but it is nice to be vindicated that wide open spaces does admit, yes, you can smoke a cigar in your deer stand. (laughs) I've had this discussion with a number of guys. Oh, they smell it. You'll never kill a deer. Evidence to the contrary. Um, Bird ID manual. I'm not carrying a bird ID manual with me into the deer stand.
0: Well, that one's up there to me. This was the one I thought was silly. It was the pellet gun. Why would you take it? You know, I get it. You know, tree rats, I'm assuming they're talking about squirrels. You know, and they're talking about, you know, being able to silence the chatter and the noise they make. I feel like if you can't tell the difference between a squirrel and a deer... Now, I realize they make remarkably similar sounds. I'm not trying to... But I feel like I, I don't think I want the noise and the, the, the whatever to, to kill the squirrel while I'm waiting for something else.
1: Well, I always feel like it's good luck if I have, if nature is going on around me while I'm in the deer stand smoking my cigar, it means that I am sitting there undetected. Right. That I've not alerted the squirrels, I've not alerted the birds, the possums, whatever happens to be wandering through there. And I'm a, I'm a very um, conscientious hunter. I don't shoot bobcats. I don't shoot coyotes. When I'm deer hunting, I can assure you, if you hear me fire my gun, it's at a deer. It's at a deer. Yeah. There's rarely ever been a time that there would be something I would shoot other than a deer when I was sitting in the stand.
0: Well, and also, at least in Tennessee, squirrel season and deer season are not in lockstep. Oh, yeah, with one. they overlap.
1: They overlap, but they're, you're not
0: going to be in squirrel season every single time you're in the deer stand.
1: yeah. Buying for most of most it you, of will, it you but are. yeah, you could you could goof you around could, and you could run afoul of the law if you weren't careful. But yeah, but who wants to sit there and shoot squirrels? I mean, <laughs> I mean, I tried to hunt? talk
0: my wife into letting me buy a pellet gun for months last year just to go kill squirrels.
1: Absolutely, and all uh, peanut butter. I do like this one. It is nice to have a jar of peanut butter with you because you. That's one thing. If you're sitting there and you're really hungry, you can always just grab a scoop of peanut butter and take care of it. And it's kind of a a neutral scent, if not a positive scent. Yeah. So I do like some of that. Um, Nail clippers, no. And also, 12 of the, or 11 of the things they side in here, I would never carry to my deer stand, like the small mirror. There's no way I could carry a mirror large enough to actually see behind me effectively. And I'll what am I gonna do? One of those old West trick shots where I lay the gun on my shoulder and line it up with the mirror and try to shoot the deer? <laughs> and I'll. If the deer is there, he'll either move when I turn around or he won't, or I'll hear him and I'll just sit there till he comes around. Right. And I'll there's never a time there's where There's no
0: I, amount of spotting him with the mirror that's gonna change
1: the outcome of that interaction. No, it, you're far more likely for the deer to Get an eye full of reflected sunlight and run off. Exactly. Than you are to actually see the deer. But, you know, just a, just a little self-aggrandizing article there for me. <laughs> and also, from the Times Union, for Morning Cigar Group, it's not really about the smoking. So the reason I brought this article up, this is kind of what we talk about all the time on the podcast. It's not so much about the cigars as it's just about the people. Right. You know, we had a birthday party last night for one of the guys that goes to this cigar shop regularly. And there was 15 people there, and 13 of them, when we introduced ourselves, was, well, we know him from the cigar shop. Right. And all the other, three, other two guys were like, I need to go to this cigar shop. Apparently, he's there all the time. And also, um, Tom Kirkjohn pulls into a park off of Central Avenue, punches a code into an unmarked metal door, and enters a darkened room. That, does, that sounds ominous. It does sound <laughs> ominous. I like that they open, the, open it up ominously. But basically, these three guys have been meeting at this cigar shop. Well, I'm sorry. It, it gets more ominous from the next sentence where it talks
0: about uh, Kyrgyzhan is 74 years old and they're meeting at Voorheesville High School. <laughs> that's a name that's just immediately as, associated with Omen, isn't it?
1: Yeah. I kind of hope that when I'm old and retired, I have a shop like that, that Mm. I can go sit down and just have my morning cigar with some friends and cup of coffee and sit there and talk about the world events and what the grandkids are doing and all that good stuff. And all their grandkids, not mine. I have no desire to have any.
0: Whoever wrote this article really wants to be a fiction writer, but just doesn't have the chops, I think. Yeah. He goes to a wooden locker, inserts a key, inspects a couple of boxes, like, it's just really okay. We paint the picture. I got
1: it. Yeah, I, I like. We're a true band of misfits who look out for one another. No, you're just a bunch of guys that like sit around and smoke cigars. Right. <laughs> we don't. We don't have to get more specific. That my biggest problem with meeting people for a cigar is I lose the ability to keep track of time. Mm-hmm. How many times have we been sitting here at night and, and realize all of a sudden that it's ten o'clock? Right. And I'll, I just I lose the ability to tell time when I light a cigar which is important to me, and uh, losing, that, losing myself in that time really matters, and that kind of brings to the topic that I want to discuss. So if you want to simplify cigar smoking, you can break it down into three stages. The cut and light, the smoke, actually sitting and smoking the cigar, and the finish when the cigar is over. And I, I feel like my wife's favorite part of smoking is the lighting of the cigar. Because she'll finish, you know, and of course, I smoke faster than her. Right. And I've tried several times to kind of get her to go ahead and light her cigar a little bit ahead of time of me. Right. And I'll she'll go she'll go ahead and go out on the back porch, and I'll be sitting in the house, and I'll finish the episode of Sopranos I'm watching or whatever and think, okay, she's, she's 30 minutes ahead of me. This should put us about right. And then I'll come out there, and she hadn't even cut her cigar yet. Right. So I feel like she kind of likes cutting and lighting the cigar more than any other part of it. That she really so wants she waits me in, to be.
0: So she waits until you're there to, as a shared experience and
1: Yeah, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. No. I'm not critiquing people for what part of the right the cigar they enjoy. Now I enjoy the smoke. The cutting in the lighting is fine. It's a ritual, but it is preparing me for the time spent, you know, either listening to a podcast and playing a little poker or like we were doing before the show started tonight, just sitting around with some other guys discussing the issues of the world. Right. And i and the finish is always a little bittersweet for me because it's it's like okay now i I've, I've it's decision time do I start the process over again right. or do I excuse myself and you know my standard get out of get out of um cigar conversation line is well we've got to go let the dog out right and that gives me an excuse to kind of get away and and ease out of it but what do you think
0: you know. Guess wait? because I would, I would break it down a little bit more, because I think there are parts to the smoke. You know, lately, I've had several projects going on at work that have been taking a lot of my time and attention outside of just the regular work day. And so there have been a couple of times, even this week, where I've finished a meeting, and I just—and I, I, I cut and light a new cigar, but then that first draw— I, I think, you know, similar to what this cigar did tonight of, you know, okay, that first, okay, th- this is it. This is the, you know, the the separation happens not when I cut it and light it, but after that first or second draw. That's when, have you seen that, I think it's that meme of Ben Affleck sit, standing outside a building with the cigarette in his hand. He's just kind of looking up and you can see he's just like letting go of the weight of whatever's going on. Yeah, he needed a break. Yeah, that feeling. And I get that from the first light.
1: Well, and you know, you'll do something that I don't do. You'll okay, I'm gonna run from here to there and you'll light up a cigar in your car and drive, you know, a lot of times when you're coming here in the evening you arrive with a cigar in your hand. Yeah.
0: I don't I don't do that as much anymore. Uh I've gotten to where I pretty much only light up a car cigar if I'm going to be in the car for the duration.
1: Yeah, that's kind of my rule. If I'm not going to be there for the length of time it takes to smoke that cigar, it's, you know, it's like the path between my house and my father's house. It's about an hour and a half, hour and forty five minute drive, and I know exactly. Okay, at this store, I need to light my cigar, and I'll finish it right as I get to dad's house. Right, and I kind of, I've kind of got it balanced out according to that. Yeah, and I think,
0: you know, there are, you know, but oftentimes. Like, the reason that a lot of times I will uh, light the cigar on the way down here is because I've had that, I I need that opportunity to separate my workday from the rest of my day. And it's a great bookend for me. And I can, so I get in the car, okay, cigars on, I'm on vacation mode for the next 30 minutes. You know, it allows me to really separate, have that decompression moment. Uh, and, And I think that's, you know, I did it before the show.
1: Yeah, it's, you know, I always, you know, we record here about any time between 4.30 and 5.30, we're subject to record just depending on the work schedule, and I usually get here early enough that I can smoke something before the show just to kind of get my mind in the right frame.
0: Yeah, although if I'd been having the conversation you were having right before we started recording, I would have needed another cigar to come down from that.
1: <laughs> uh, I'm, not, I'm not as passionate as you are on certain issues. I was, I, I, I was good, though. I stayed I w- out of it. I, w- I will admire your restraint. I was, <laughs> I was admiring your restraint, and all, we were corralled by a Fox News aficionado who was telling us all of the Fox News rhetoric... And don't get me wrong, I'm not I'm not a CNN guy, but I'm not a Fox News guy either. I'm not. I don't like either side of the spectrum. I want to be in the middle of the spectrum, and all. Uh, and he was way, way right. I don't. Yeah. Way, way right bothers me just as much as way, way left. Right. And all. Uh, I kind of like to ride the middle. Yeah. It, 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 if it works, it works. But.
0: Yeah, so I think, but then with a really good cigar, so going back to kind of dissecting the body of that smoke period for me, in a really good cigar, the second third, that middle third of the cigar, takes, as much ta- takes twice as much time as the other two thirds combined. You know, it's just like time stops for that middle third, whether it's good conversation or the cigar's particularly good and i really enjoy that too when you're really in the midst of the cigar it, it's warmed up it's giving you all the flavor it's going to give you and it's just and that part of it you know and then obviously you've got that back half where you're where you're getting where it picks up in strength and you're getting that last little bit maybe you get a, a flavor change at the end sometimes that's great but most of the time when it comes to that point in the cigar i'm thinking about i either wish this was longer i'm done smoking for the day Or, you know, or, man, I can't wait to finish this so I can get onto something that's better.
1: Yeah, you kind of, you have to, you know, a big part of living life, everybody talks about living in the moment. And I will say living in the moment works on some things and it doesn't on others. Some things are a lot more fun to remember doing than they were while you were doing them. Yeah. You know, deer hunting on a 18 degree morning with the ice all over the place and you're in the stand and you're huddled up as tight as you can trying to hold on to those last few degrees of warmth is not as much fun as it is after you kill the deer and you're You're back at the
0: cigar shop where it's warm.
1: And you're talking, you're talking about, oh yeah, he he was in a dead run at 150
0: yards. Well, (laughs) you were, you were talking about triathlon at the bump joke and it's the same thing. When you're out there doing it, it's miserable. When you're training for it, it's miserable. But the feeling you get when you're done with it and the memory of it and talking about it with other people who do that, sort of, man, that's where it's at.
1: Well, but by the same token, the most annoying people in my life are the people who are what I call what what's next people. Well, yeah. They never stop and enjoy what we're doing at the moment because they're always thinking about what, they, what they're what they going to do next, and i hey, when we're done with this, are we going here? Or when we're done with this, are we going here? And I hate to smoke a cigar of a back end. If I've got a 10 o'clock meeting at the office, and it's a like it is now where it takes a little longer to walk the dog, and I say, okay, I've got a window here of about an hour, and I really want to smoke for an hour and a half, I just don't smoke. Right. I would kind of like to have – I don't like having a back end, but I don't like having a back end to anything I do. Yeah. And I kind of despise it's one of the reasons that I'm not good at parties and weddings and all that stuff. I,
0: I, I read a post online recently, and it made me wonder if you're wired this way, because I am, and I, I wonder if you are. I am, I am fastidious about being on time or early, and I know you're that way, too. My brain goes into what I call wait mode. Do you ever get, so I know that I've got to leave the house at 1.30 to get wherever I'm going by two, but then about 10 to 1 or sometime, give or take 10 minutes, my brain will just go into wait mode and I can't focus on anything else. I can't do anything. I can't start anything. I can barely finish what I'm working on because all I can think about is making sure I'm ready to go. Never mind the fact that I'm perfectly ready to go. All I have to do is walk out the door. But my brain gets in this weird, like, don't get into anything that might
1: make you late. Do you have that? I do. I have that, and I have that. I have that mode I call wheels up. So it took several years, but thankfully, my wife really understands my wheels up philosophy. You right. know, last night dinner was at seven. We knew it would take us 30 minutes to get to the restaurant, so we left our house at 6.15. Right. Because I would rather sit in the parking lot for 10 or 15 minutes as to have something hold me up and not be there and be late. Right. And, uh, you know, it took a long time for my wife to kind of understand that when I said, okay, we're leaving at 6.15, that means we're pulling out of the driveway at 6.15. That doesn't mean... There's last touches to be done. There's right. you know, just the fifteen minutes that I have built in there for my buffer is as important to me as the time to get there is. Right. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's kind of um I have to do it with my hunting buddies. I had to do it when I played World of Warcraft. We would have a raid scheduled on a particular dungeon and there would always be some guy, Oh yeah, I gotta run and empty my bags and put this. Hey. Seven o'clock. We're going through the gates. We ain't got time for you to be dilly dallying around trying to find your way here. We're g- we're gonna Leroy Jenkins as son of a. Bitch. <laughs> That's right. And you you know people that are that live their life that way that don't understand the wheels up they get mad at me for leaving them. Yeah. And all because if I say I'm leaving you know Saturday morning I'm leaving my house at five a.m. And at 5.01, if my hunting partner shows up, he'll have to drive himself to Collinwood. Right. There is no variation in that. And I've, and I've kind of... I'm, people in your life are trainable. You Oftentimes. can train people in your life. And, I, and if people in your life aren't trainable, you ought to consider getting some new people. Well, <laughs> and all, I'm, I'm pretty good at getting new people when the people cease to be trainable. And I, I'm not... I don't think that's abusive of me, that if I agree with you on a certain time to expect that we'll be there at that time. No, and I, I had this issue at work this week
0: where we built an entire meeting around one person's availability and their schedule and they didn't show up. And, and, you know, and of course we're trying to message them email like, hey, where you at? Where you at? Where you at? And then it was a 30 minute meeting and with three minutes left to go in the scheduled time slot, I get the, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry I missed it. And there's there, – I, I hate to admit it, but there's, it's really hard to come back from that with me.
1: It is. You know, my personal trainer, I noticed it with him years ago. He would always be running behind schedule because somebody would show up for a 6.30 training session at 6.30. And then he has; they have to go change. He has to warm them up. They have to get ready. When I had a 6.30 session. You were ready to go. Right. At 6.15, I was warming up. I was yeah. getting everything stretched out. I was on the treadmill. I was When I hit the trainer, and to me, if you're paying somebody the amounts of money you pay a trainer, why would you do anything else? Well, that,
0: that's the other thing. If you're paying somebody for the – and these are probably the same people that think, oh, man, I don't understand why they get paid for an hour of work when they're only working with me for 30 minutes. Well, if you'd show up on time they would work with you for the full hour
1: Yeah I'm you know someone at my office if we have a 10 o'clock meeting set and they call at 10:15 and say hey I'm on my way I'm running behind reschedule your meeting Yeah the time to tell me when you're running behind is 15 minutes
0: before the scheduled start time
1: right don't you know I will make the anything over 15 minutes I make my customers reschedule I've lost customers over it before yep. I don't care yeah they were obviously not someone that I was going to have good business with
0: because back in the day when I was in sales and I was on the road you know, oftentimes it happens traffic other other appointment runs long whatever it is I have one more business by calling the person 10 minutes before our scheduled time and say hey I'm running five minutes late. I'm on my way, but I'm, you know, and, oh, my gosh, you know, I appreciate you thinking ahead and letting me know, yeah, no problem.
1: Yeah, and I'm okay waiting for people. I'm okay waiting for people if it's beyond their control. Right. But make sure it's beyond your controls. And when it comes to the cigar, to to put a bow on this topic. Oh, that's right. We had had a point. (laughs) I think enjoying the smoke Is where a cigar smoker's focus should lie. Oh, yeah. Not on starting the cigar and, oh, I smoked enough of it, I'm okay, or finishing the cigar. I don't have
0: a problem with, I've smoked enough of it, I'm okay. Because there's no rule that says that you have to finish this, that that what determines when a cigar is finished. Now, if you're going to smoke an inch off a Churchill, I, I, I might have some questions, but. You know, if you're, what was it, Zeno Davidoff, when he wrote the book on cigar etiquette, one of, one of the things in that book was to never smoke it more than halfway. I don't agree with that.
1: Well, that's written by a man that makes cigars well, for yeah, a living. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> and I said, hey, wait, this is a way to double my profits. <laughs> but if, if that's the point where you have reached your level of
0: enjoyment that you expect to get out of that cigar, and you feel like you've gotten your money's worth, then I've got no problem with it.
1: I don't know. I get sad because I feel like you've wasted – it's wasteful. It's conspicuous consumption. If you if you only wanted three inches of a cigar, then smoke a Robusto. Don't go buy the Double Toro or the Churchill and smoke three inches off of it. I, I can't stand waste. And when I walk through the cigar shop and I see ashtrays with cigars, with about a third of them smoked, laying in the ashtray, long dead, it breaks my heart. Yeah. And also, one more article – Wanted to hit before we call it a night This is a great idea I told everybody I would quit talking about Halloween But I'm going to talk about Halloween This is from the Ponca City News Where's Ponca? I guess it's in New York Astorio Bistro And Bar The Axle Hole, The Grand Cigar Lounge Vortex Alley, so this was basically On Halloween night Everybody dressed in their costumes And they went on a cigar bar crawl I think that's a great idea So I think this is an outstanding idea, especially like this year where Halloween hit on a Sunday. I firmly believe Halloween hitting on a Sunday is the best time for Halloween to hit. Ponca City is in Oklahoma. Oklahoma. I feel like Halloween on a Sunday is the best time for it to hit because it puts a built-in back in because people are going to work tomorrow. From the
0: man who hates having a back end on anything.
1: Well, I uh, no. You I like it.
0: imposing a back end on I like others. It, I like
1: other people to have a back end. I, for myself, I don't like to have one. And I'll do Funny, do, I always thought you were a breast man. <laughs> but the, I think we finally have enough cigar lounges in Nashville. We could do a cigar cast oh, cigar crawl. Absolutely.
0: In in fact, we've got a bunch of good ones within such a short
1: uh, geographical area that I think it would
0: be easy to accomplish as well. Yeah,
1: I, th- I think at some point, and being dressed up for Halloween would be awesome. And I almost attempted to try to do a Christmas cigar crawl. Let's do it. Where we go, where we go, and we hit a robusto at every shop. Yeah, I'm I'm all for it. Uh, let's set it up. I'm for real. I think so. I think that'd be great. I think
0: like a you know four or five shops max. We'll have to do it sort of early mid December. Yeah, we'll have to do it on a Saturday for sure. Yeah, but we'll have to, I mean, baby's coming Christmas Eve. That's right. Or at least plan for So it's got to be significantly ahead of that that I have some contingencies in place for my schedule being disrupted.
1: And the nice thing about cigar lounge guys, you call them and say, hey, we're doing a cigar crawl. We're going to be at your place at this time. Yeah. Be ready. And they would they would have a table set aside or whatever. Dress up as Dickensian car- carolers? We could. Well <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, I was just going to put on my Santa Claus sweater. Or but an ugly sweater or whatever. I, mean, I think an ugly sweater is much more attainable for the average person than Dickensian character. Especially now that performance is closed. Anyway. But I really like that ideal. I think this was a brilliant ideal. I wanted to give them props for doing something that's really unique. Well, and One, I love the
0: idea of a bar crawl for someone who doesn't drink at all and someone who rarely drinks. You know, the, the concept of the bar crawl is a lot of fun. I've done it a lot. But there's really no other opportunity if you don't drink to get that kind of atmosphere. This is a perfect way to build it in. That's going to be a lot of cigars in one night, though.
1: Well, five Robustos. That's a Toro, two and a half Toros. Yeah,
0: that's fair. Wouldn't that's how much two. I smoke in a day anyway. And,
1: but now I do think we ought to do it poker run style. And I'll have you ever seen the motorcycle poker runs? So I've never understood the concept of the poker so run. So what you do is every store has a deck of cards. And you go to five different stores, and you stop, and you get a card from that from that particular store. At the fifth store, everybody lays out their hand that they have drawn, and the, the winning hand wins a prize of some sort. Okay. So I'm thinking Poker Run Cigar Crawl. Uh, let's, let's do it. I think so. If you, if you would like to be a part of the Cigar Cast Poker Run Cigar Crawl, please give us a... I, I, know, I know two shops already that are down, so we just have to round it out. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think we get two, three shops and all, and just and keep them in, you know, there's three shops really, in or four shops really in that Nashville area we could hit very easily. Yeah, exactly. And, all, and then we could end up here. Right. And also, thank you everybody for listening while we've worked out this idea. <laughs> if you, we'll, we'll announce the date on next week's show,
0: and if you happen to find yourself in the Nashville area in you know, early to mid-December, whatever that date is. Or if you want to plan a special trip, let us know. We'll make sure that you, we've got room
1: for you. Yeah, I think I'll propose it at the poker group. I think we can get the poker group together and all of us just go... You know, five or ten people be plenty. Oh, so then it's Shane's Poker Run
0: and Crawl and then this other guy who happened to show up.
1: Well, hey, if you would like to organize it, by all <laughs> means. All right, everybody, email Trey, the cigar guy, for staffing reasons. But I, th- I think it would be fun. I think it would be a blast at the end of the night just to kind of have everybody having hit that little bit of spot here, there, and everywhere.
0: Yeah, I think that's fun. Let's make that happen for real.
1: So how do they get hold of us, Trey? So you can email me at
0: info at uh, We're on Instagram and Twitter at thecigarcast and facebook.com slash thecigarcast. I, I jumped the gun right for me, the
1: Criollo de Oro. It's a hair shy of a five. That's, that's where I had it. I yeah. had it about a four and a half. Yeah. Not it, really what I
0: would have hoped for. No, it's mm-hmm. not doing really anything for me. In fact, it's
1: just kind of drying my mouth out. If they could have maintained that flavor through the whole cigar, it would have been excellent. Absolutely. But it's like the the front end was good, and then it just dies off. Uh, the St. Louis Ray Corina, it's a six. Wow. Okay. It's a good—it's just—and here's why it's a six. On flavor alone, it's a five, five and a half. You add to that the price and availability, the attainability of this particular cigar. What's the stick, price on it? And I'll— um. They're setting right at um, right about $10, $10, $11 a stick. They're not bad. And all about average. So uh, should be $10, $15 a stick. But thank you, everybody, for listening this week. Until next week, have a great cigar and think well of us.